Well, good morning. Glad to have each and every one of you here on this uh, almost getting close to spring day, but just didn't quite make it, did it? I was thinking about breaking out a spring tie, and I didn't do it, and I thought, boy, it's a good thing. I stepped outdoors. It was colder than I thought it would be even. And next Sunday is what? What's the big event next week? Yeah. Who said that? I didn't hear. Donna. Next Sunday, time to spring your clocks forward. Yes. I, you know, I didn't learn how to, I couldn't keep them straight until I memorized that. Spring forward in the spring, fall back in the fall. Once I got that down, I was able to remember which one I was supposed to be doing. <laughs> <laughs> don't confuse me i finally got it straight and i'll get messed up yeah so that's good well anyway that's great and uh that's good sign springs on its way you also note uh resurrection sunday is going to be very very late in the month of april this year that's a unusual thing you don't see that that late very often. But I guess every so many, probably every so many decades, I'm not sure how long it is, but it's a long time for those things to all correct themselves and work out. Okay. Um, and I don't, Jeff, where did we get on the Internet? I don't even know where we stand on that. Finish it up tomorrow. Okay. Wednesday night. Bible study will be set to roll, huh? Okay. And Jeff can just log in from home on his computer at home, and he'll be able to upload messages to the, our webpage on the Internet. And, boy, he's looking forward to that, I know. And, uh, and Joy, she's going to set us all up to pay bills online, and we'll be rolling. <laughs> well, I guess we're, are we already set up? You, yeah, church, yeah. I understand. The church is... <laughs> are we going to have one night when everybody can come in here and pay their bills <laughs> that's right no and we got a couple guests with us this morning a returning guest back here with Dolores's and a brand new one here with Peyton and he's um he couldn't wait for lunch so he's going to I love that little vest that is the cutest thing I like that of course he's a sweet looking little kid too how old is he Three months. Well, it'll go by fast, won't it? it starts, time starts picking up once you have kids or grandkids. And, man, moving on. Okay. I think that's all I want to talk about. Malachi, chapter 2. This is an interesting Interesting book. A very profitable book and full of strong warnings, but also full of a great encouragement on our part to be faithful, to stay true to the Lord's word, and so on. I want to just look 
briefly. Boy, look at there. See, I got in the pulpit at 10 till today. Last week it was about three or four after, so I don't know what we did. We, oh, we had a song last week. Frank said his ear was popping this morning, so I was going to get him to just do it again. But his ear was popping. He couldn't handle that, so I said, well, I don't blame you there. So uh, we'll just go ahead and go with it. Let's read the first nine verses of Malachi chapter 2, where the Lord's word says, And now, O ye priests, this commandment is for you. If ye will not hear, and if ye will not lay it to heart, to give glory unto my name, saith the Lord of hosts, I will even send a curse upon you. Now, that's literally there. It's the curse. There is an article, not a... It's not an A, it's a the. I will send the curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. So he's, he's just simply saying, I'll, I'll take the blessings that I've promised you, and because of your disobedience, I'm going to turn them right around and into a curse. Yea, I have cursed them already, because you do not lay it to heart. That is, you don't lay it to heart to glorify me or to honor me. Behold, I will corrupt your seed and spread dung upon your faces, even the dung of your solemn feasts, and one shall take you away with it. And ye shall know that I have sent this commandment unto you, that my covenant might be with Levi, saith the Lord of hosts. My covenant was with him of life and peace, and I gave them to him for the fear wherewith he feared me. And was afraid before my name. The law of truth was in his mouth, and iniquity was not found in his lips. He walked with me in peace and equity, and did not uh, and did turn away uh, many from iniquity. For the priest's lips should keep knowledge, and they should seek the law at his mouth, for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. But ye are departed out of the way. Ye have, see, or ye have caused many to stumble at the law. Ye have corrupted the covenant of Levi, saith the Lord of hosts. Therefore have I also made you contemptible and base before all the people, according as ye have not kept my ways, but have been partial in the law. And of course, that was a very key element here. Partial in the law. They just kept what they wanted to keep and ignored the rest or perverted it. Now, most any commentary you read on Malachi, uh, the strong temptation, of course, is to make broad application to the church today because it's, it's very easy to do. The applications are, are just wild and abundant, and it's a real temptation to hold back, although... We don't need to. I mean, they're there. They're very real. I mean, just take that little phrase on the last verse, partial in the law. What they were doing is really not much different than what folks are doing today. They believe and obey the part of Scripture that's appealing to them, and they just ignore the rest. They don't do anything with it. Now, in the entire epistle... It's just um, it's a, like a running conversation. There's a charge, 
And there's their response by God. Then there's a response on the part of the people. And then there's his refutation of their response. And so you see a series of where-ins in this, in this epistle. In chapter 1, verse 3, Yet ye say, wherein hast thou loved us? Right at the end of verse 6, ye say, wherein have we despised thy name? In verse 7, ye say, wherein have we polluted thee? And then if you turn over to uh, 2.17, he says, ye say, wherein have we wearied him? In 3.7, ye said, wherein shall we return? In verse 8, ye say, wherein have we robbed thee? Verse 13, ye say, what have we spoken? And the words there, what have, are is the same word as wherein. And why they didn't translate it that way, I don't know. But it's the same word. And so on. And so all of these are just charges that the Lord is making against the people of Israel for various things that they were doing. And they would respond with an answer and then he would refute their response and correct them and make the charge even clearer as to what he was dealing with. And so here we have in chapter 2, he says, And now, O ye priests, this commandment is for you. Now, of course, I could, I guess I ought to have a muffle up here where I could just direct all that right, right back at me. I'm not a priest. But I do bear the responsibility in some measure here at least as to what the priests were to be doing. They were to be the communicators of the truth of God's word. They were to propagate the truth amongst the people over time. And the, the uh, Levites were to be the ones who were to be the guardians of the truth and to maintain the message. And yet they hadn't done that. They had corrupted it. And, of course, that's the charge that the Lord's bringing against them. And one of the things I want us to, key word we're going to look at today and focus in on, um, well, amongst two or three others, is the word heart. And you'll see that in verse 2. He says, if you will not hear and if you will not lay it to heart to give glory unto my name. And so we find that at the base of all that was going on regarding the priests, it was the heart. And, of course, if we were to examine all the rest of the people, I mean, the issue lay, that lay with them was the same thing. It was the heart. They had a heart issue, a heart problem. Now, because of that, he tells them in verse 3, Behold, I will corrupt your seed. And the word there is, Literally, it's rebuke. I will re be rebuking your seed and spread dung upon your faces. Even the dung of your solemn feasts, and one shall take you away with it. Now, of course, he's having reference there to the fact that a part of what was to be given to the priests included the offal, and that was then to be carried away out of the camp. And the implication he's making here is that I'm going to spread this dung on your faces and I'm going to carry you away in the same manner. In other words, removed from your position of blessing, removed from your position of responsibility, 
and will take away all these blessings and I'll turn them over into a curse. And you'll have just the opposite effect. And so that's some pretty strong language that the Lord uses against somebody who initially had very strongly just the opposite attitude towards the Lord. If you look in verse 5, he says, My covenant was with him, that is Levi. And again, this word of is not in Hebrew. And, and so it's a very straightforward reading. My covenant was with him, life and peace. In other words, this is what he would have. My covenant with Levi was life and peace. And he says, I gave them to him for, for the fear wherewith he feared me and was afraid before my name. All right, now let's go back to Numbers in chapter 25. Numbers 25. I'm going the wrong direction. I was worked on my way back to Genesis and couldn't find it. Numbers 25. Verses 12 and 13. And of course, this is in response to um, Phineas in verse 11. Phineas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, hath turned my wrath away from the children of Israel while he was zealous for my sake among them that I consumed not the children of Israel in, jealousy, in my jealousy. Wherefore, Say, behold, I, gave, I give unto him my covenant of peace, and he shall have it, and his seed after him, even the covenant of an everlasting priesthood, because he was zealous for his God and made an atonement for the children of Israel. So there we have the exact occasion of when this promise was made and this covenant. And it was because of the great fear for the Lord that was shown by this one Phineas. And so the Levites then were recipients of this promise and his seed after him. And it continued right on up until for several hundred years here, right on up to Malachi's day. But of course, over the process of time, their devotion to the Lord had deteriorated. They had sought after uh, idols of the nations around them and so on. God had become displeased with them. God had sent them into captivity. Uh, at the time Malachi was writing here, uh, they had come back from captivity. Nehemiah was in the process of building the walls and restoring the, the temple and so on. And God is expressing his, his anger and his disappointment with the Levites and the way they had conducted the responsibilities that he had given them. In verse 6, he says, The law of truth was in his mouth. That was what they were given to do. They were to be the guardians. They were to be the protectors for the nation of Israel of all God's ways, all God's commandments, and everything that he had given them to do. And they were to teach the people. And they were to publicly read the scriptures and teach the people 
what God expected and demanded of them. And he says, iniquity was not found in his lips. He walked with me. Now, that's quite an interesting expression. He walked with me. You know, if you go back in Scripture and look at any various passages where it is said that someone walked with God, there really are very few where the actual expression is given. If you look back at Genesis chapter 5, you'll find Enoch, it says, walked with God. And then just a few chapters later, in chapter 9, it says there that Noah walked with God. And, of course, the end result for both of them was blessing. And, of course, Enoch was taken up or translated as a result of that. Look with me in 1 Kings chapter 3 and verse 6. 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 6. And there we find another expression that was very akin to what we just read earlier. When Solomon made his request for wisdom, it says in verse 6, Thou hast showed unto thy servant David my father great mercy, according as he walked before thee in truth, and in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart with thee. Now, I had mentioned this word heart, so we're going to look at this word walk, and the word Heart is one of the words we want to take note of because we saw that with the Levites, the problem they had was that they were not right in heart. They did not lay it to heart to honor the Lord. But yet here Solomon in his prayer and his request is reminding the Lord about his father David and how David did walk before thee in truth and in uprightness of heart. And thou hast kept for him this great kindness that thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. Now, we've got several passages I want to look at. I want us to go in view of this then. I want us to go back now to um, Deuteronomy in chapter 5. I want to look at a few passages where we have some exhortations regarding our own walk. And we want to look at Israel Deuteronomy 5.33, where he exhorted the people to walk. He says, Ye shall walk in all the ways which the Lord your God hath commanded you, that ye may live, and that it may be well with you, and that ye may prolong your days in the land which ye shall possess. Now, this passage here is just simply saying, Walk in all the ways of the Lord. They were given the ways of the Lord. All those things were laid out before them. In uh, Leviticus, particularly, Exodus, Leviticus, even in Numbers, and now here in Deuteronomy, it's being laid out before the new generation that's about to go into the land of Canaan. All of these ways of the Lord in which they were instructed to walk. Look at uh, just a few pages over to chapter 10. (coughs) Excuse me. 
Notice what he says there. And now, Israel, what doth the Lord thy God require of thee but to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him, and to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul? Now, you'll see connected here with the walk is the heart and the soul. With all thy heart and with all thy soul. Turn to Joshua, chapter 22. We just finished a study in Joshua in Wednesday night, our Wednesday night Bible study. Joshua 22 and verse 5. And there it says, of course, well, I should, in back, by way of background, the land has been conquered. The uh, And at the end of chapter 11, it says that the land had rest from war. They fought their battles. They brought stability and peace and rest to the land. And then the rest of the chapters talk about the dividing up of the inheritance and the appropriation of the various parts of the land for the various tribes. And now he's giving them encouragement as Joshua is nearing the end of his life about how they're to continue on in serving the Lord. In other words, the spiritual battles that were being fought have come to an end, but it's not over. And so he says, take diligent heed to do the commandment and the law which Moses, the servant of the Lord, charged you to love the Lord your God and to walk in all his ways and to keep his commandments And to cleave unto him and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. And so we see again, connected with the walk is the heart, with all the heart and all the soul. All your passion of life is to be directed in walking in this this manner in the Lord's ways. Now look um, at 1 Kings chapter 2. We're going to go back over there. And we're just going to walk our way through Kings for a little bit here. First Kings chapter 2, and we're going to look at verse 4. David is encouraging and, and giving a charge to his son Solomon as he's about to take the throne. And he says in verse 4, That the Lord may continue his word which he spake concerning me, saying, If thy children take heed to their way to walk before me in truth with all their heart and with all their soul, there shall not fail thee, said he, a man on the throne of Israel. Not one bit of failure to have a leader for the nation of Israel if they would follow after him, or that is walk in his ways with all their heart and with all their soul. Turn just a couple pages over to the right to chapter 6. We have Solomon's uh, dedication for the temple concerning the, the, the describing of the construction of it and so on. In verse 12, he says... Uh, Verse 11 says, The word of the Lord came to Solomon, saying, Concerning this house which thou art in building, 
if thou wilt walk in my statutes and execute my judgments and keep all my commandments to walk in them, then will I perform my word with thee, which I spake unto David thy father. And that same word was with all thy heart and with all thy soul to walk in this way. Look at chapter 8 of 1 Kings and verse 23. Now this is, this is Solomon's prayer at the dedication. And of course it's a lengthy one, but look at verse 23. <clears throat> and he said, Lord God of Israel, there is no God like thee in heaven above or on earth beneath who keepest covenant and mercy with thy servants that walk before thee with all their heart. And so he's a, he's a covenant-keeping God to those who walk with him with all their heart. I had a little booklet sent to me just a few months ago. The title of it was Walking in Covenant. And you know, that was the, really the gist of the whole thing. The idea was is that a true Israelite, a true believer in God was one who walked in covenant. The one who walked in covenant was one who walked in obedience to the Lord's ways and they did it with all their heart and with all their soul. In other words, it was more than just going through the motions. It was more than just, well, the Lord said we had to do this, so... You know, here it is, it's Passover, so let's, uh, you know, hey, Joe, run down there and get us a lamb, and we'll pick one out and run down there, and we'll get that thing sacrificed, and, you know, we'll get back out, out, in, the, out in the fields again working, you know, just going through the motions. But that's what it deteriorated into. That's what happened in Israel. These things began to break down over time, and people began to fall into the routine of life, and they lost their heart. And they lost their soul for the Lord. And they failed then to walk in his ways. And so we find consistently through and through this constant continuous admonition to make sure that the heart. Now there's way more that we could look at concerning the heart. And as a matter of fact concerning this word walk. But I'm trying to show the connection that is made through the scriptures of walking with the Lord and doing so with the heart and with the soul in tune with him. Look at verse 25. Therefore now, Lord God of Israel, keep with thy servant David my father that thou promised him, saying, There shall not fail thee a man in my sight to sit on the throne of Israel, so that thy children take heed to their way, that they walk before me as thou hast walked before me. Well, you know, part of this prayer here was Solomon himself. He was to walk before the Lord as David, his father, had walked. And we saw that after David, there was a departure. And, over, and then, of course, the next step was what? Division of the kingdom immediately. A dividing of the kingdom. And then there was a constant decline over the decades and centuries until the time of Christ. And the nation was brought to an end in 70 AD. And so they had 
Of course, they were before that even. Of course, they lost their kings. They were taken into captivity and foreign Gentile rulers ruled over the nation. And they lost all that God had promised he would give them if they would do these things right here. Walk in my ways with all your heart and with all your soul. Look at chapter 11. Well, look at verse 61 before we leave here. Nearing the end of his prayer, he says that all the people of the earth may know in verse 60 that the Lord God, uh, that the Lord is God and there is none else. Let your heart, therefore, be perfect or at peace with the Lord our God to walk in his statutes and to keep his commandments as at this day. In other words, we are this day doing what we're supposed to be doing, keeping his commandments. Now, Keep on. Just, we see the old expression popular a few years ago, keep on keeping on. He's just encouraging them. Look at chapter 11. Concerning Solomon and his downfall and the path that he had taken in verse 38, 1 Kings eleven thirty-eight says... And it shall be, if thou wilt hearken unto all that I command thee, and wilt walk in my ways, and do that is right in my sight, to keep my statutes and my commandments, as David my servant did, that I will be with thee, and build thee a sure house, as I built for David, and will give Israel unto thee. And I will for this afflict the seed of David, but not forever. You know, he says there, if you will walk in my ways and do that is right in my sight. Do what's right. Walk in my ways and do what's right. That was really in some, in, in a certain respect, a very simple word of instruction, wasn't it? Do what is right. Walk in my ways or walk in my ways with all your heart, with all your soul and then I will do these blessings for you. Look at, now let's go back at Leviticus. Leviticus 26. And verse Look at some of the backwards or reverse of what we've been talking about and some of the consequences. He says, if they shall confess their iniquity and the iniquity of their fathers with their trespass, which they trespassed against me, and that also they have walked contrary unto me, and that I also have walked contrary unto them. And have brought them into the land of their enemies. If then their uncircumcised hearts be humbled. And then accept of the punishment of their iniquity. Then will I remember my covenant with Jacob. But notice the connection of walking contrary with God. And the uncircumcised heart. You see the whole idea of circumcision was devotion to the Lord. And a circumcised heart 
was one that was devoted to the Lord. But walking contrary to God indicated an uncircumcised heart, one that was not devoted to the Lord. As a matter of fact, I just happened to think about another passage, and I don't know why I didn't write this down earlier. Way over here in uh, Jeremiah, and I hope I don't get off track and lose my way here, but I'm going to go here. Jeremiah chapter 4. And, of course, you you just already have your mindset here when you're looking at the prophets that they're hurling warnings against the people to repent, to turn back to the Lord because they had forsaken Jehovah. And he says it there in in chapter 4, verse 1, If thou wilt return, O Israel, saith the Lord, return unto me. And if thou wilt put away thine abominations out of my sight, then shalt thou not remove. And thou shalt swear the Lord liveth in truth. Now, I've talked about this before, but this is exactly what they weren't doing. See, they were saying the Lord liveth as an expression of, well, we're honoring the Lord. We believe in him. But yet, he says, not in truth. It would just be like us casually today saying, amen, brother, or praise the Lord, or thank God for that. We use Christian expressions that don't match up with where our heart is. And that's exactly what they were doing. They were saying, the Lord liveth. And he says, if you do these things, you'll say it in truth, in judgment and in righteousness. And the nations shall shall bless themselves in him and in him shall they glory. For thus saith the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, break up your fallow ground and sow not among thorns circumcise yourselves to the Lord and take away the foreskins of your heart, ye men of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, lest my fury come forth like fire and burn that none can quench it because of the evil of your doings. This was the uncircumcised heart. He's saying, turn right around and circumcise your heart. Devote it to me. Change your ways and see what I will do for you and what will happen. Look now at 1 Kings 15. I want to look at a couple more passages here. 1 Kings 15. And what verse? Verse 3. Now, of course, this, this is... Now following the division of the nation, have two kingdoms now, and regarding Abijam, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, verse 1 says, Now in the 18th year of King Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, reigned Abijam over Judah. Three years reigned he in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was Maacah, the daughter of uh, Abishalom, and he walked in all the sins of his father which he had done before him, and his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God as the heart of David his father. And so we find here one who's walked not, and his heart was not, it says. Look at chapter 16 and verse 1. Then the word of the Lord came to Jehu, the son of Hanani, 
against Baasha, saying, For as much as I exalted thee out of the dust, and made thee prince over my people Israel, and thou hast walked in the way of Jeroboam, and hast made my people Israel to sin, to provoke me to anger in their sins. And all we're, again, pointing out here is the manner of the walk, and what it has to do with the heart, and how it affects them. Second Kings. Chapter 20. And verse 3. Now this is concerning Hezekiah. You remember the situation with him and how he had prayed for an extra uh, measure of life and God was going to give it to him. And in verse 3, he says, I beseech thee, O Lord, remember now how I have walked before thee in truth and with a perfect heart and have done that which is good in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept sore. Now, a lot of us, when we get in a situation like Hezekiah, we weep sore. <laughs> We're pleading with the Lord and we want to be healed. But of course, in Hezekiah's situation, we know what the outcome was. Prior to this time, he had walked with the Lord. And his heart was says it was perfect heart. It was right with the Lord. It was at peace with God in the manner in which he walked. But, of course, in the end, it didn't turn out so well for him. Now, look at, um, let's go to the New Testament, 2 Corinthians, in chapter 10. 2 Corinthians, chapter 10. There's a lot to say in the New Testament about our walk. 2 Corinthians 10, Paul, in writing to the church at Corinth, says, I beseech you that I may not be bold when I am present with that confidence wherewith I think to be bold against some, which think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Now, of course, he's looking at the manner of which a Christian, a follower of Christ, a believer, would walk. And here he calls this kind of walk as one walking after the flesh. And we know there's another expression of that just in the next book over in Galatians. And if you'll turn there to Galatians 5. Concerning the application of this to us is in verse 16, he says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And so there's this, this whole matter of how you and I walk, and it's called walking after the flesh. Now, of course, that's exactly what happened in the Old Testament. And all those passages that where they walked contrary to the law, they simply were going after the things that they lusted after. Um, you don't have to turn here, but I just want to read a verse real quick. Romans 2.29 says, um, 
he is a Jew, which is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit. And Paul's taking this application of the physical aspect of circumcision and he's saying a real Jew is not the one who was showing his obedience in the law and going through the physical aspects of circumcision, but one who's circumcised in the heart. One who has taken care of his duty before God in the devotion of his heart to the Lord. And I want us to look at um, something else. Back at, um, boy, I got more than I want can do here. Go back, well, hold your, go, put your finger in Revelation and then go back to Malachi. Think, put your finger in Revelation and then we'll get over here to Malachi. Malachi in chapter 2, there's something else I want us to note in this passage. And I'm obviously not going to have time to finish what I'd like to do. But I do want to say this. Notice in verse 6 where we left off. He says, the law of truth was in his mouth and iniquity was not found in his lips. He walked with me in peace and equity and did turn many away from iniquity. Levi and all that he represented in his tribe, the Levites, he said, and, and those who were appointed to their duties in the tabernacle, He says, walked with me in peace and equity or justice, rightly. Or another way that word uh, equity is translated is he walked with me in peace and uprightly. And he's talking about the character and the manner, of course, of Levi. Look back just for a moment at. Jer- um, excuse me, Isaiah. Is that where I want to go? Yeah, Isaiah. And chapter 60. Isaiah 60. We won't even be going here, but this, this study could just lead on to another thing altogether, but this expression here. In verse 17... Isaiah 60 and verse 17. Now, it's talking about the, the glories and the blessings and the, all the, the things that will take place during this promised millennium, this promised age that was coming of glory for the nation of Israel. And he says in verse 17, for brass, I'm going to bring gold. And for iron, I'm going to bring silver. And for wood, I'll bring brass. And for stones, I'll bring iron. I will also make thy officers peace and thine exactors righteousness. In other words, the officers or the governmental administrators, those who are going to be in charge uh, uh, here in positions of authority, and that the exactors, that is those who were viewed as the collectors of taxes, those who demanded of the people, he says they're going to be peaceable and the exactors are going to conduct themselves in righteousness. In other words, like Levi, in the millennium, 
when Israel is there in her glory and the Lord Jesus Christ is in his glory on his throne, he's saying that the way in which life will be experienced is will not just be riches like silver and gold and brass and iron and the replacing of cheaper things with more valuable things, but those who are over you, those who are in charge, he said, are going to be people of peaceableness and righteousness. In other words, there's going to be equity there. It won't be a chore to live under the authority of those who are ruling during that period. And the reason why is because they have the heart and the soul of Levi. They walk the way in which Levi walked. And if you'll turn over then to the book of Revelation... In chapter 3, we have the letters to the churches and some issues with them. But he also has some wonderful, wonderful promises. And in verse 5, he says, He that overcometh. Now you think, well, who's going to be the overcomer? Well, would you not expect here then it's he that does not walk after the flesh, but after the spirit? It's he who walks with a heart that is circumcised, that is, it is his heart and soul is devoted to the Lord. And he's saying there that he that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of the life, but I will confess his name before uh, my father and before his angels. But look back at verse 4. Thou hast a few names, even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. All I really want to say is that if we walk in the kind of obedience that the Old Testament saints and believers were admonished to walk with our hearts devoted to Christ, devoted to the Lord, with all of our heart, with all of our soul, he says, there's coming a day when you will walk with me. And that's going to be a glorious privilege. But you see, there are some there who will not walk with him. And if you'll read those seven letters to the churches, you'll find just exactly what's going to happen. And they will be removed. They will, you know, lose out on their crown. They will miss the glories of the coming kingdom, as some have expressed it. Well, that's my goal. That's my desire. I want to be found in this place here to walk with him in white. And what a glorious privilege and blessing that will be. But it depends on how I'm walking here. How I walk here is going to have all the difference in what happens and how I'm, whether I get to walk with the Lord or not in his kingdom. Let's pray. Dear Lord, how I pray that 
we will take to heart these words. Words of encouragement, words of admonition, words of warning, but words of blessing for those who are willing to obey. Lord, I pray that you will take our hearts and that you'll do that work in us which only you can do. Nobody else can do it but you, Father. And that our, and that our hearts would be turned unto you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.